This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could want. And get this, as a listener of the OVS Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order this summer by using the code PITPOD. P-I-T-P-O-D for online orders at www.thekansascitybarbecuestore.com. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. So visit the thekansascitybarbecuestore.com today for all of your barbecue needs. Alrighty, it's a time for another episode of Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast with myself, Luke Darnell, Pitmaster of Old Virginia Smoke. This week's episode is going to be a little different as... I'd like to introduce you to my main man, one of my best friends in the world, and also the producer of this podcast, Christopher Sedenka. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great, Luke. How are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, man. Uh, you guys, I could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear me call him Danks. That's his nickname. Is Danks? We went to college together, kinda, and uh, yeah. Um, so. We're going to talk a little bit about this week's episode of Barbecue USA and some of the experiences around that. And Chris is actually going to interview me. So I'm going to turn this over to him now. There you go. Well, thank you, sir. And, I, you know, I guess we just started with how did this all come together? They announced that they were going to do this show. And so they were looking for teams that were participating in certain competitions. They the network identified which competitions they wanted to go to that fit their production schedule. And then they started emailing all the teams and we were originally scheduled to be filmed at a contest called barbecue gives back, which is held here in Virginia. And through a bunch of different circumstances and such, they had to cancel uh, taping at that venue. So they switched to the New Jersey, knock you out in Blairstown, New Jersey and it was very, we were already, we had gone through the interview process. Um, for people that don't know, whenever you apply to be on one of these things, you have to answer a bunch of questions. Then you have to do a bunch of on-camera interviews to make sure that you are going to be fun and engaging on television. So we went through this entire process. Then they switched venues and we weren't <laughs> we weren't supposed to cook that contest so we had to juggle a bunch of things around to make it work i had to have some people cover some catering jobs but we were able to able to get up there and and get the whole thing get get into the program so very very cool well it's also a really unique look because and they talk about it a lot in the show and i'm i'm sure we'll discuss it more but it was a it's not just a one single comp you you have a double so it's it's twice the fun i guess you could say for the production staff going at four to five teams, but also for you guys that, that, that must be a grueling schedule. And then on top of that, you have cameras in your face. That's true. And it, you know, I like the way that they've really have tried to show something different with, with each episode. And the difference with our episode was that they got to showcase a double and a double is cooking contests back to back on cooking Friday into Saturday and then Saturday into Sunday. 
And it really, I think they, they were able to provide a really cool perspective on what it takes to do that. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot that you have to be prepared for when you're cooking a double from maintaining, uh, good sleep habits, Mm -hmm. uh, making sure you're eating good meals, staying hydrated, staying away from things that could (laughs) put you down (laughs) the dark path. Uh, sometimes I'm successful at that. Sometimes I'm not. And yeah, there was the added stress of, of being, being filmed and having cameras around. But I will say that simple alien, the production company that was in charge of this and the food network, they really did a good job of not forcing us to do things that were outside of the norm or like to open our cookers when they've already been opened and stuff like that. They were very, very, very attuned to what was going on and and how how we are at contests. So it was really neat. You know, speaking of the contest, as you mentioned, it's supposed to be in Virginia, and you certainly have plenty of thoughts on uh, judging in Virginia and how some things it goes. But you do go up to the Northeast, which is kind of ironic as well, because I know, I mean, gosh, I've I've cooked with you plenty of times up here in the Northeast, and it can be a little inconsistent. <laughs> That's true. And I think you saw that on the show from day one to day two. There was a lot of different team names and a lot of different results. Not to say that people didn't have a a bad cook one day and a good cook the next day. And that's not to say that my food was better one day to the next. I mean, I don't think it was anything different from one day to the next. But, you know, the Northeast traditionally has a tougher judging criteria to it it's a little bit the scores are a little lower up there but we're starting to creep up and they're starting to appreciate more what we do (laughs) (laughs) how was prep different leading into this competition knowing that it was going to not just be a double but also production company running around and being interviewed with by michael simon during that timeline a lot of cleaning (laughs) there was a lot of cleaning and uh we we really used the help of Kim's sister and her boyfriend Adam, uh, Kelly and Adam. We they allowed us to take the trailer over to their house. And if I can say anything about Kim and her family, is that whenever they set their mind to cleaning something, like it gets cleaned. <laughs> and that trailer was immaculate uh, before we went up to New Jersey, and that was a big part of it. But also making sure that you know we had the right outfits coordinated that we had. They told us that we had to have logos off of stuff um, and things like that. Anything other than our logo, you know, they were trying to avoid. So we really took a lot of care in getting everything prepped and ready and just, you know, having a nice clean setup, a nice clean look and making sure everything looked good on camera. So was Chef Simon just going around as much as humanly possible during those two days to try to get as much conversation with the pit masters that are featured on the show. Yeah. He spent, especially a lot of the time when we were turning in and doing boxing stuff and doing prepping stuff on Sunday morning. I mean, he, that guy's energy level is absolutely legendary, man. He was all over the place, but he was also, if, if you go on foodnetwork.com, you can see that he's done some cooking videos at each of these locations as well. Like he, he does a brisket cooking video in New Jersey. So he was doing that 
on top of going around and following the five teams and talking to them. So, I mean, the guy, the guy, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, it, the way he comes off on his shows and programs and his jo- jovial laughter and everything, it's all there. It's all, that's all him. It's pretty amazing. Well, it's cool to know. I mean, considering it's always so, it's always so difficult to, to truly know when you talk about influencers or, or television presenters and, but I would say that you, know, you watch him and he just seems like he genuinely loves what he does. And he has great interaction with fans on, on social media. He's always answering questions. So I imagine having someone with such a, a tremendous knowledge, especially in the field of barbecue, it's, it's pretty neat. Like it was kind of neat to see. And again, you know, it, it's a prep show. It's, it's a show that's going to get highly produced and edited and we all get that, but He's hanging in the trenches with you guys quite a bit. Absolutely. And he, we told them very clearly, like, don't knock. You guys have open door policy to come and do whatever you want. And do you want me to shout out when I'm doing stuff? They said, yes. And, you know, chef would come in like right when we're in the middle of it, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) and, and asking questions. I mean, they could put together a whole nother show, probably of each episode of stuff that they didn't include and just some really, you know, cool interactions that we had. And I was doing pork day two and uh, he comes in and he's like, you know, you had a rough day yesterday in pork. What you, you said you were going to make any changes. What'd you do? I was like, I changed everything, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I was like, I, I like to think that I'm pretty good at pork, man. I'm pretty good at some things. I'm a nine handicap on the golf course. And he's like, I'm a five. Woo! <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, I get it. Cool. You're a five. And he goes, no, no, I'm a five. It'd probably be a one or a two if I could play more. I'm like, I'm trying to do pork turning. You want to talk about golf? Talk about your five. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, uh, I was going to say, that is... And I've been to plenty of comps to to know how nerve wracking it is when those boxes are being put together. Because you're talking about massive points potentially swinging if like your finger or something slips, right? So to have cameras in your face, and that has just got to be a completely different level of competition and stress. It really should have been, but it wasn't. I think after we, I think we got after after we got through the first first day, and we got more comfortable with the crew and more comfortable with with Chef Simon, that it just kind of flowed into what Kim and I were doing in the trailer. We and we've done it enough, and we've been around each other enough that we knew all we had to do basically was talk through what we were doing at the time, which ended up helping us focus even more on what was happening, especially day two. Because we were being verbal about what we were doing. So instead of trying to read each other's minds, which we're pretty good at, we knew what we, each one of us needed at exactly the same, at the right time. And, you know, and having Chef Simon in there and tasting your food, that's pretty cool. Like, that's something I'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no question about that. So, all right. Take me back to eight o'clock, an hour before the show is going to air. Like, what's going through your mind? <laughs> a lot um just wondering you know how much we're going to be on the show 
what parts are they going to have in the show? How are they knowing the results? Like knowing how, how is this going to be portrayed and things like that? It, it was, I, I was very nervous, but also very excited because this opportunity doesn't come around very often. And just to see myself on that screen and to know that there's literally, I don't know how many thousands of TVs that are watching the same thing at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. it was stressful and crazy and just the amount of social media around all of it. I've spent, I don't know how many hours in the past three days on social media answering questions and trying to respond to everything, just like Chef Simon does. You brought that up earlier. He's amazing. And I don't know how he does it on a day-to-day basis. I've done it for two days since being on TV, and it's I'm going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so 9 o'clock hits. The show starts. Uh, Like you said, you uh, clearly you know the results. A lot of people know the results, but at the same time, they still are, are trem- you know, they're so good at being able to tell stories and, and hit cliffhangers. And, and I think, I think you guys had two, you guys had two cliffhangers. I mean, that's, that was pretty, pretty epic, especially going into the final segment of the show. It's literally about your brisket. Right. I didn't expect that. And, and I don't think that it, our exposure and the amount of screen time that we got could have been any better. And I'm just super proud of everybody that was on the show, uh, the featured teams, the other people that were, you know, the other teams that were there, the contest, they got some, got their pictures on and they had the toast with the 922 toast with Jeff from Badass Mule. That was pretty neat. It just, it was just awesome to see something that I've spent so much time on and that I care about so much and have tried to give back as much as I can. And just to see it highlighted that way and to be surrounded by a bunch of friends, you know, in a bar <laughs> and they don't, know, they don't know the results. And every time we come on the screen, there's cheering and, you know, Kim, Kim drops the one line about, we came here to kick ass right before a commercial break. <laughs> everybody giving her a hard time about that to the brisket cliffhanger at the end. It was just, it was like watching yourself playing an NFL game kind of. Although you already knew what happened, but nobody else did. So that's that's really the only way I can describe it. I want to know what it feels like to have just told a few million people in America that you cry when you make brisket. I don't care. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing. I, I don't, you know, and I've been called a few things in the past 24 hours, you know, oh, <laughs> cry baby or really? A good friend of mine told me I was soft. And I was like... <laughs> That's passion, baby. Oh, and there was another good comment that I won't... <laughs> for the podcast, but you know who you are and you know what you said. And it made me laugh out loud. But, I, I mean, I really don't care. I've always worn my emotions on my sleeve. And I know that if I've turned in three good boxes up until that point when that brisket gets sliced, I know, I can tell by the time, by the way that knife goes in, whether I should have a good day or if I'm not going to have enough in the tank to win. And when I put the knife to that brisket on day two, there was problems. You know, I did not, I did not tear up on day two because 
the edges were crumbling. I'm like, I got to figure out how to fix this. And my good friend, Darren Worth was on social media and like right about that time he posted, he goes, just, just knock the edges and cut the, get the slices in the box. And I mean, and that's exactly what I did. So I don't know it. I don't care that I cry, cry when it happens. And it, it happens when there's no cameras in there. That wasn't, a stunt you've seen it <laughs> i've seen it <laughs> <laughs> you've seen it if it's pretty sure thing. pretty sure i've uh, sure i've seen it more than just brisket buddy <laughs> yeah oh for sure <laughs> but you know when the knife hits it and i know then i i get excited because it's my favorite meat to cook and if it's right sure. if it's right then i know that we're in the game well i think it, too what what it showed at least especially on the show on not necessarily the day one but day two is it showed some of those strategies and, and some of the things that you've talked about with pitmasters on this show over the last couple of years about all right it's going a little bit downhill how do you adjust this is what we cooked how do we make it the best it can be and it was a master class of of being able to show young pitmasters or people new to the business that okay maybe maybe the cook didn't go as well but let's let let's see what we can do oh look flavor's perfect let's make it look pretty boom we win it's advice that i got from tim shear uh from blues hog Mm -hmm. and shake and bake that and it was on this podcast and i've really spent a lot of time since then focusing on finishing and focusing on the last 10 minutes and the one thing that, you know, he really taught me was, and I say it on the show, but he texted me after I said it because that's funny, was never give up on a piece of meat. There's always more time. There's always something you can do up until you have enough time to get your box in that you can make that piece of meat better. And we were in that situation. And I told Kim, I was like, we're not giving up on this. We're just not doing it. We had... We had that same thing happen this past weekend in Michigan where I I knew I'd made an error on Friday injecting the brisket. I I was doing ribs at the same time, doing a rib cook, and I got confused and I ended up mixing my brisket wrap with my brisket injection. So I knew I didn't have a lot of injection in the brisket. I didn't want to go back and re-inject it. And... So I knew that my last 15 minutes on that brisket were going to be a problem. I knew it going in. So which kind of was an advantage because I knew it was going to be probably a little dry. I hoped that I had gotten the texture right. And, you know, I just, I got it out early. I sliced it. I took a bite and I said, okay, let's go to work, you know. On the we, oh, sorry. Keep going. This was in Michigan this past weekend. Yeah. And I just, we just went to work on it and kept making changes, making changes, doing this, adding that until we got it to a point where it was like, okay, this isn't going to finish last. Is it going to win? Probably not, but it's not going to knock us out of the game. And we ended up getting a ninth place brisket out of it. So I, I'm just as proud of that brisket cook as I am any time that I've won brisket because I never gave up on it. Sure. Sure. And when we, when you did the watch back the other night, was there anything where you looked at what was shown and been like, ah, oh, man, I remember making this error. Oh, I should wish I did this or wish I did that when you kind of watched it back. Not really. 
I will say that I thought that weekend we had two of our better cooks at that time that we had had. I think we did some different things on pork and maybe weren't paying attention enough to the flavor of it that that might have hurt us a little bit. And I, I remember watching it on the show. And I'm like, ah, you know, you could have <laughs> <laughs> you could have added more there or done more there and yeah, stuff like that. You know, I wish I'd spent a little more time walking around with other teams, you know, but sure. But we were pretty focused on what we were doing. And, you know, being right there, right next to Nikki, who was also featured on the show. And I've been working with her for, I mean, we met her at that contest a year ago. So that was a great experience, just being there with her and and both of us being on the show. It was a lot of fun. Well, speaking of Nikki and the others, obviously Wolf's Revenge was featured. Maisie Q is featured as well. I know you have relationships with all these teams, so that must have been neat to kind of see not just those featured teams out there with you, but featured teams that you've cooked along with, like you just mentioned, or cooked or have been cooking against for quite a few years. Absolutely. And I had I do have relationships with all those people and it's it was great to share with them. Um Charles and I give each other a hard time, but you know, <laughs> we have a nice friendly rivalry and it's, it's fun. And Jane is amazing. I've known her for pretty much nine years. She's a great mom, great cook. She can cook probably better than anybody on the circuit in terms of just pure cooking and chefs type stuff. She's amazing. I mean, she makes some outstanding food and I got to admit, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit anxious to try her chicken flame technique. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the other thing. If you watch, if you watched all of these pit masters, there's something you can pick up to make your barbecue better. There were different things throughout that really, I was like, this is cool. That's a cool little trick, you know? And so I, I look forward to trying some of that stuff. How much, are the folks from the production company asking about what they can air, what they can ask, what the, you know, are they saying, Hey, that little trick you just showed me, is, is that good for air? Cause I know y'all have your own secrets too. Pretty much everything was an open book. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And you have to go into it that way. You, you're going to do what you're going to do. And this at the end of the day is promoting you promoting barbecue as a whole and there's no reason to hide anything and so we didn't we didn't hold back anything we answered all the questions that were asked if somebody asked why we were doing something straight up tell them the answer uh whether you know a lot of time that answer is because we tried it once and it worked don't really know why it does what it does but it does it you know (laughs) that that's a common barbecue answer to a lot of questions but yeah i mean everything was out there in the open and going into it, you kind of you kind of know that, and that was kind of refreshing too. Like that doesn't matter; just share, just let everybody see. Do you think that's a? Do you think that's something that's changing? Do you think teams are just being more open? I feel like with more cooking classes, especially the the guys and gals you've had on, I, I feel like they're much more open than say. How are you know, you know 10, 15, whatever years ago? It, it just it seems like it, I don't know. Maybe it maybe it's just because I'm around folks who are, are willing to talk about it. But is the cloak and dagger stuff seemingly going away or is there still plenty of that? 
there's still plenty of that. However, <laughs> as you just mentioned, 10 years ago, there wasn't the amount of information that was available was limited. So you, if you found something that worked and nobody else knew about it, <laughs> you know, that's a tremendous advantage. Now you have things like classes. Everybody's had a class. You have things like the barbecue league where you can pay a hundred dollars and you can go watch several competition video processes on every meet and really adjust your learning curve. You know, whereas when I got into it, it was a lot of sit around the campfire, shut up and listen and try and glean information, make friends, you know, get people to help you. Now you can go online and spend a hundred dollars and you can learn everything you want about competition barbecue in three hours. Sure. And it really has, it's not a, a few things. It's leveled the playing field a lot. But it's also, I think it's giving people a window in where you don't have to suffer for two years trying to figure everything out. You know, you can come in, you can do those. A couple of friends of mine have come in and they watch those videos. They come and they get a call. Yep. You know, and once you get that first call, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're hooked until you realize that you don't need those calls, but yeah, it's, it's, the field is definitely leveled. And so you, you do see a lot more stuff out in the open. I love, and you and I've done it a couple of times. I love cooking out underneath the tent and doing yeah. everything outside. It's a lot of fun. And I've got nothing to hide. You know, I've done enough videos and put enough stuff out there that, you know, people know what I do. So problem is can't do it as well as I do. So <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, cause not only are you cooking outside in just the pop tent, but we're just dancing and singing for like 17 straight hours. So no one, no one's bringing the heat like that. <laughs> That's one thing they did cut out that everyone's been asking about is the dancing. They're, they're like, did you do dancing? And I'm like, yeah, we did. We did a lot of dancing actually. And it didn't make it uh, onto the show, which, yeah, you know what? I'm actually kind of fine with because they focus more on the cooking and stuff like that, and that's great. And the barbecue and the competition, that's really good. Maybe someday there'll be a, a blooper reel or a music video that comes out of it. But, yeah, it was pretty neat. This podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, Everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to BarbecueData.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on BarbecueData.com. I think the most polarizer, one of the most polarizing parts of the show, and I saw uh, Michael Simon answering some questions about this on Twitter, was when Nikki was asked about the flavor profile and how much hot sauce she should use and how she kind of talked about you know, trying to get a little bit more creative and immediately goes to your team and Kim's like, hey, this is the Kansas City Barbecue Association. We have to 
we have to go with the protocol of, of what's considered Kansas City barbecue. And I feel like this is something that you've talked about quite a bit. And uh, so I guess the, the, the question is, it's, it's more probably less about the show and more about your approach. But how do you balance creativity with also kind of abiding by what's expected from the Kansas City barbecue perspective? It's a fine line to turn in turn in meat that's going to be pleasant for six strangers. It's almost more of a game. And you work hard to try and figure out what that is. At the end of the day, all of the greats, all the people on the Mount Rushmore barbecue will tell you that it's a tenderness contest. You have got to get your tenderness right. Your chicken skin has got to be bite through. You have to have a nice bite in there. It's got to be juicy. Your rib has to be a clean bite to the bone, but not fall off the bone. Your pork has to have a nice chew, but it can't be too chewy and it can't be too mushy. Your brisket has to be tender. It has to have a texture like velvet. It's got to hang over your finger. It's got to pull apart with just a little bit of, little bit of pressure. If you can hit those four marks, you can play a little bit with flavor, but if you're there to win and if you're there to be successful at a KCBS contest, you can't put things in there that are going to offend a couple of people at the table. If you do, you're sunk. And, and it only takes one judge to sink you or two really, because they dropped the low score. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I get what Nikki does, and I love what Nikki does, and her sauces are great. But I, if I'm going to spend, if I'm going to spend that much money and that much time to go out there and and do this and try to be one of the best at it, I'm going to stick to that that those flavor profiles that does that that do well. So that's that's kind of yeah. Yeah, I saw you. You essentially see Charles kind of with that same mindset as, as you're talking about in his. And I think what's unique about watching him cook and we've had him on the show before, and he's talked about his, his mindset and, and you see it like he it's, it's very, you know, it's very kind of, I hate to use the term black and white cause it's not, it's way deeper than black and white. But I think what you see is a really smart and, and strong protocol from him and his team. Right. And he'll tell you that he's a process cook. Yeah, he said it on. He said it on here. He's got his processes. He's got his cooker. It's the only cooker like that, like it, like that in the world. And he knows how to to run that cooker and to get the product that he wants. And it's really a perfect illustration of how everyone should really cook barbecue, not 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 being a slave to the process, but knowing your cooker and knowing what works for you to get the results that you want and using and using feel ahead of thermometer. Absolutely. And he said that he said it perfect on the show. The thermometer lets you know that you're in the ballpark. It's the feel of that thermometer going into the meat. That's the true gauge of, of whether that piece of meat is done. And if you're going to do well in that contest, it really is. You mentioned Barbecue USA. It, it's really been a different episode every time. They're featuring different aspects of not just a competition, but 
the competition within the competition or a double or, you know, I think it's a whole, did they already do whole hog or is that next week? I can't remember now, but you know, they're going to be featuring all these different styles. And so overall, how do you think this show has, uh, you know, helped this, the barbecue community? I know that you've talked a lot about over the last couple of years about, you know, know, are, are we, are we getting enough new interest? Do Do you think a show like this will be able to, spark some some new interest for teams to get out there and and not be afraid that they can go out there and and cook with the best of them. I really hope so. I think the show and and Michael have really done a great job of portraying what it is that we do, how to be successful at it and why it's fun. I think they've done a great job of that. It's uh next week is will be episode 6. This is, there's only 6 episodes. And this will be Memphis in May. So I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm super excited to see see him walking around a festival like that and talking to people. I think it's, you know, barbecue goes through these peaks and valleys, just like everything. And, you know, there was the big boom with Pitmasters, you know, and everybody was competition, barbecue, competition, barbecue, then Pitmasters went away. So hopefully this show, Barbecue USA, will help kickstart a lot more of that interest and get people, even if it's not competition barbecue, if it's just cooking outside and getting smokers and doing this stuff at home, there's nothing there's nothing better than than cooking a piece of meat over a long period of time and then serving it to your friends and family. Uh, I know you do it on the regular on your Traeger. And Absolutely. It's awesome to see the pictures of the things that you make. And, and I know how much your family and your friends appreciate it. And that's what cooking barbecue is all about. You know, it's the truest cooking food for somebody is the truest expression of love. I didn't say that somebody else did, but I agree with it. Well, you know, it gives, also gives you an excuse to throw a party. So it's great. <laughs> yeah it does it gives you an excuse to do a lot of things i've got a bunch of meat on right now you know food network star on monday selling nachos on on thursday so there you go so what what is next for you guys are you hoping for more television opportunities absolutely i really enjoyed the experience i think that i did a decent job on there i think kim did a great job and i would love to do more I would love to do more TV shows and more cooking shows. Doesn't have to be barbecue. I think I can hold my own in in the kitchen, and I'd like to see where this this could go. Uh, but it's also really good for Old Virginia Smoke in terms of our vending and our catering, and keeping interest up for that. So I, I can't be more grateful to Food Network, Simple Alien, JS Casting everyone who was involved with this for this opportunity and really helping me build my brand and get my brand out there and to get me out there. Uh, This has been a dream of mine for a long time and to see it come to fruition has truly been a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed it. Well, I'll say this and I, and I certainly don't mean this in a negative standpoint because I think it's extremely professional what you've been able to do for two years but you stayed humble and you you haven't told many folks about what you're doing you know, since you've kind of gone full-time with barbecue so what are the the catering opportunities in the nova area uh, they're really good it's we've had our business now for 
basically two and a half years. And we have a food truck. Perfect you know, timing with COVID. Yeah, perfect. Two months before <laughs> COVID, we started the business. And that was really hard. You know, we had a bunch of business booked. It all went away. We had to pivot into doing home delivery. And we've really built a solid customer base here in Northern Virginia. And I'm looking forward to growing that. We have, we have a lot of good catering events coming up. We have a lot of great vending partners and breweries that we work with. I also teach classes. That's another part of this. Uh, the podcast is another part of this. Looking to getting into, we have a barbecue sauce on the market. Looking to getting rubs onto the market. Who knows where it can go? There's, there's all kinds of opportunities and all kinds of creative ways to, to do this and have fun with it. Well, like you said, I mean, as competitive as the uh, as the tour is and the KCBS is, I'm sure it's the same in the rub and sauce industry. <laughs> oh, it's even worse. Uh, <laughs> there's there's so many great rubs and so many great sauces out there. And number one question we get all the time when we're catering or vending is, do you make your own sauce? And I always say no. And people get sad. And I'm like, look, I work with Blues Hog and I you know, we use their product exclusively because there's nothing better <laughs> and I can't fix, I can't make that better. Mm. You know, why would I spend my time doing that when the perfect barbecue sauce already exists? Having those kind of access to those things and the knowledge of, of those type of tools has allowed us to really have a good product when we go out. And that's something I take a lot of pride in. What's the rest of your summer looking like? packed yeah <laughs> we're pretty busy from now to the end of the year whether it's contest classes or uh vending and catering we we're pretty much booked from this year we've already started into the holiday season and already started booking dates for next year so it's a non-stop process and it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot it's a lot of stress, but it's a different kind of good stress in that you're always doing something different. You're always on the move and you're always meeting a bunch of interesting people. You guys have been world food champions in the barbecue division. You have been number one, the number one team chicken at the open at the Royal. Yep. You've been to the Jack. You've, yep. been, to Ma- you've been in Maine numerous times. So I'm going to throw that out there too. But Absolutely. where does sharing a trailer with Michael Simon's stand-up? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That'd be fun. Uh, I, that'd be a lot of fun to, to cook with him. Just just having him in, in our trailer was so exceptional. And getting to share something that we're so passionate about and pretty good at, to share it with somebody who, I mean, Christ, he's the Iron Chef. You know, like, that's amazing to even get to meet somebody like that and let alone have them eat your food all day. That was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) What's the number one question you guys got about Kim standing on a box? That was the number one question (laughs) about the whole show was, was what was Kim standing on when she was doing the interviews? Because that was crazy. And they called him, uh, Karen, the, the producer from Simple Aliens, she called it an apple box. That's right. She's like, get the apple box, get the apple box. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's and how Kim Tom. Like, that's how Tom Cruise has been six five for years. Him and, and Vin Diesel, 
Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Luke, uh, outstanding. Congratulations again. I know how much you guys have put into it over the years. And obviously this isn't the, uh, the, the Coleman. I mean, it's a huge, huge thing, but it's, I feel like it's, again, only the beginning of where you guys are going to be going here and super, super psyched for all the other teams that were featured, many that we've talked to on this podcast. So it's really, it's really neat to see this community continue to grow and Food Network and Michael Simon to have a really cool, unique show about it. Yeah, man, it, it was awesome to, to share the screen with, with some of our best friends out there and some of our peers and I can't wait to see where it goes. It's going to be fun. So well, how, every, how can people find? Uh, how can people follow you? They can find us on Facebook, Old Virginia Smoke, on Instagram, Old underscore Virginia underscore Smoke, Old Virginia Smoke on TikTok. What else do we have? Twitter uh, at Luke Darnell, one word. I'm not a big fan of Twitter, but some people are. So I, I've been, I've been getting better, buddy. I've been there, you there you go. All of it, so <laughs> yeah. Try and try and find us out there. Hook us up. Ask us questions. I try to answer all of them, and can't wait to see everybody out there. Well, we're proud of you. We uh, wish you could have more contests in the Northeast, but that's okay. We understand how you got to travel this country. I wish I could do more in the Northeast too. So we uh, hopefully, I think our next contest is going to be Labor Day weekend in Lake Placid. Oh, nice. I haven't had the opportunity to tell you that yet. Oh, that's great. That's one you like a lot. We love Lake Placid, man. It's a lot of fun. All of our favorite Northeastern teams will be there. Billy will be there uh, from Smoking Hogs. Insane Swine will be there. Oh, Jared, who got a who got a nice cameo the other day on the show. He did. It's pretty, <laughs> yeah. I was I was laughing pretty hard when they put him up there because he was like, they could just stay out of my sight. I don't want anything to do with this. And uh, he's such a great guy. <laughs> but yeah, Jano will probably be up there in Placid. Uh, amazing Q. So it'll be fun. Top Gun will be there. All all the good all of our good northeastern buddies will be there. So lots and lots of fun. That that contest is always great. It's put on by my friend Dimitri, who's just he's a wild man. So I can't wait to get back up there. Well, I do love that you really are basically an adopted New England team. <laughs> I I wish we'd be adopted by the judges more than the other teams up there. <laughs> you got to get used to our sweet tooth up here, bud. Uh, I swear Bill Gillespie keeps a tank of maple syrup under his chin. He won't ever admit to it. It's the number one product. <laughs> yep. Well, Luke, congratulations to you and the general. That was awesome. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, congratulations to all those teams. A big thank you to Chef Simon as well. And and obviously the uh, what food TV is, is kicking out there. But really, really uh, unique to watch that the other night. Yeah. Big shout out to uh, Michael Simon, Simple Alien, Food Network, JS Casting, all you guys. Thank you for making this happen. And uh, thank you for being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Who we got next week? Next week, I believe we're going to be having an interview with a team that's been really good for a while, but this year they've seen their success really come to a head. It's uh, it's Jeff and Luke from Tire Smoke. Nice, and that's awesome. They, they are they are something else, and we had a lot of fun in Michigan last weekend, and I can't wait to have them on the show. It's going to be a blast. 
Awesome. Can't wait. All right, my friend. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.